welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Bitcoin Magazine Live. I'm your host Q, coming to you once again from my mother's basement, and I'm joined by my co-host P. How goes it, P? As always, it goes fantastically. My chickens are doing well. They're uh, hanging out, packing at each other, as chickens do, and uh, they're buying Bitcoin. They're loving it. Did How the feds the, the fed stop your cockfighting ring last night? Hey, I have never, ever done that. That'd be fucked up. These chickens are supported entirely on Bitcoin. They buy their own Bitcoin. They make their own Bitcoin purchases, and they don't need to fight each other. Plus, they're all hens. So. But Chris... Our colleague, our co-host, how are you doing? I'm doing well. We got a jam-packed episode for you guys today. We're going to be joined in just a moment by John Carvalho, and we're going to talk a little bit about the updates coming out of Synonym, and then of course we're going to kick things off in maybe 10 seconds, 9 seconds, 8 for some news and notes. P, are you ready? I'm ready. Chris, are you ready? Absolutely ready. Then let's kick things off with some Bitcoin Magazine news on this Tuesday November 1st, and we're going to start with what honestly may have broken Twitter, gave me quite a few laughs. I hope it gave you some laughs as well. But Edward Snowden, longtime Bitcoin advocate, speaker of Bitcoin 2019, tweeted out yesterday a picture of the Bitcoin white paper, and in addition, took to the Twitter sphere and started rage commenting on any FUD about Bitcoin and scalability. So all I got to say is shout out our boy, Edward Snowden. Love to see it. I don't know if either of you, Chris in particular, if you have any thoughts here. No, I mean, I think he's been he's been hypercritical of Bitcoin in the past. He did mention a few altcoins in the past saying that they were better privacy tokens and such. But yeah, no, it seems like he's kind of come around to it. He really thinks Bitcoin is a great invention. And, you know, you'd love to see him dispelling rumors. One guy famously tweeted back saying, oh, yeah, like I like Bitcoin, but I don't want lines at stores. And basically Snowden said something along the effects of like, well, have you heard of the Lightning Network and how you can download this wallet? And it's basically nearly instantaneous for transactions. So love to see him dispelling the FUD. And uh, yeah, I, I think Snowden's a great ally to have on our team. Yeah, I completely agree. I think he is known in the community. Of course, Snowden is known for the leaks that he made to the public around some of the massive overreach that the United States government has been perpetrating against its own citizens for a long time and uh, kind of made us aware of some of the global surveillance issues that have become prevalent in modern society. And I think it's fantastic that he is actively a pro-Bitcoin supporter. All I got to say is <clears throat> shout out Edward Snowden because you confirmed what me, my family, and all of my crazy uncles long suspected since 9-11. Let's talk, though, about how much the state really hates SP. Yeah, the U.S. Department of Homeland, of Homeland Security, surprising no one, absolutely hates your freedom. They were created after the 9-11 attacks and have been actively eroding the privacy of not only United States citizens, but citizens all over the world ever since. They are a horrible organization. Specifically, what this story is about is... It turns out that they have been regularly meeting with tech companies, including Twitter, Facebook, and Wikipedia since 2020 in an effort to coordinate content moderation efforts. This comes to us from The Intercept, and they basically have forced these tech companies to create backdoors into their systems to allow them to, and the tech companies themselves, and systems that allow them to very, very specifically 
shape the public conversation, the public discourse around certain issues. So specifically, The Intercept reports that behind closed doors and through pressure on private platforms, the U.S. government has used its power to try to shape online discourse, as I just said. According to meeting minutes and other records appended to a lawsuit filed by Missouri Attorney General Eric Schmidt, discussions have ranged from the scale and scope of government intervention in online discourse to the mechanics of streamlining takedown requests for false or internally misleading information. Specifically, they say platforms have got to get comfortable with the government. It's really interesting how hesitant they remain. Microsoft executive Matt Masterson, a former DHS official, texted Jen Easterly, a DHS director in February. Again, this should surprise no one. You need to understand that if you are interacting with a public platform like Twitter, like, like Wikipedia, even like Google, these are heavily, heavily, I would say illicitly moderated platforms. The information that you are being shown, the information that you are allowed to find is actively being controlled not only by these companies, these private companies, and that should make sense to you because they are private entities that are there to make money from advertising dollars. Now, Wikipedia, of course, is, is in its own category, but Google, Facebook, Twitter, these are all companies whose entire business model is serve you content so that you will be willing to stick around so that they can sell your attention to advertisers. That's their entire model. So you should expect that the things that you are allowed to see on those platforms is not driven by free speech. It is not driven by trying to help you become a better person or understand the world around you more effectively. It is driven purely by profit motive. That should surprise you, no one. What is surprising in this story, and still should be not too surprising, is that the government is actively putting pressure on these entities to follow a consistent narrative. And we've all known this, but these documents make that hyper clear and go into a ton of the specifics around it. And it's pretty scary. What do you guys think? You want to go ahead or you want me to take uh, it? You're, you're already unmuted. All right. Yeah, no, I think it's a little disheartening. I agree, P. I, I don't think anyone's shocked in their business model. Their business model is taking your attention and selling it to advertisers. I know there's people calling out Jack Dorsey, like basically this happened under his reign in 2020 before obviously stepping up as or stepping away even as the chairman of the board, stepping away as the CEO and stepping away as chairman of the board. I think he, I don't want to say he was compromised, but I know there was a bunch of letters or exchanges between him and Elon Musk, as well as a Twitter thread as he was leaving or stepping down as CEO of the company, basically saying if he could do it all over again, he would do it differently. What does he mean by this? Instead of getting co-opted by advertisers and obviously selling equity in his business. And ultimately, I think in the end, he, I think he only had like 2.3% of Twitter overall, like their shares outstanding, which is still a large amount of money for a corporation that's worth billions upon billions of dollars. He's not hurting for money. I'm not trying to advocate and say poor is Jack Dorsey. But I think it's my point is that like he lost a lot of the controlling share of the company by giving up board seats. And basically, I don't want to say he was co-opted, but anything he wanted to do, basically the board could vote against him or, you know, they wouldn't push for things that he wanted. Ultimately, I think that's why he stepped away from Twitter being like, I created this, I built it up into something. And ultimately, I don't think he said it became a monster, but like, Basically, it seems but like it became a away, fucking monster, but it became a monster and it became weaponized that he thought Bitcoin is a way that the users are at the same, like everyone's incentives are aligned, that everyone is equal. Just because Michael Saylor has more Bitcoin than all of us, all of us combined, I, I can say that pretty confidently, does not give him more voting rights, power, coercion over the network. I mean, I guess he has a little bit more influence, but that is why we always say don't trust verify. It is like you are you are responsible for your money for running your own Bitcoin node for self-custing your Bitcoin yourself. So I don't know. I think those are just a lot of the key points that I take away from it all. So 
I actually have a different sort of take that I think you is and your liberal goddamn agenda. I'm kidding. Go it's ahead. not. It's not about that. Like you I, and your blue-haired craziness. <laughs> I'm not in support of this at all. This makes me very uncomfortable. But I I want to zoom out a little bit to a different part of the conversation that we tend to have a lot, and that is around the idea that businesses, especially businesses, Bitcoin-oriented businesses that are trying to grow, expand, or just establish themselves in different jurisdictions in the U.S., like different states, they are going to have regulatory hurdles. This is a regulatory hurdle for social media platforms. The reason I am saying that is it is not that much harder. In fact, I would argue it is much tamer of an ask for the U.S. government to turn around and ask every single KYC exchange to hand over, hey, for tax purposes, we need to know who who has been using your platform. That, to me, is terrible, wrong, and shouldn't happen. However, if you compare that ask versus the ask of, hey, we need to be involved with how you moderate and your users interact on your platform, and we need to done on your platform, that to me is a far more aggressive act by the state and by the government. So the thing that I want to point out here is those fears that we or like those doomsday scenarios of they're going to get lists of everyone who has bought Bitcoin from different exchanges. Like that is Wait, that's already not the case. Uh, totally, but to do or act on those, to do anything with it and say, Hey, why didn't you pay taxes? You didn't report this on that. Wait, I think that's a bad take, man. I think that we, we, I'm <laughs> sorry, dude. We all understand like that's how taxes work. Like 100%, if you are KYC, if you are KYC on an exchange, you need to understand that that is available to the US government. If you get audited, all that shit comes out. So that to me is, that's just like par for the course. Like you gotta pay your taxes. We have to fight those battles by in, in legislative circles and by, you know, appealing to our Congress people and all that stuff by becoming, you know, ungovernable. But everyone should understand that your financial the financial system is already totally cucked. The reason I think this is distinct and different is this is this goes a lot farther. I'll, I'll just read a couple quotes and then I'll shut up so you can keep going. According to the draft copy of the DHS's Quadrennial Homeland Security Review, which sounds Orwellian as fuck, just off out of the gate, DHS's capstone report outlining the department's strategy and priorities in the coming years, the department plans to target inaccurate information on a wide range of topics, including the origins of COVID-19 pandemic and the efficacy of COVID-19 vaccines, racial justice, U.S. withdrawals from Afghanistan, and the nature of the U.S. support to Ukraine. The challenge is particularly acute in marginalized communities, the report states, which are often the targets of false or misleading information, such as false information on voting procedures targeting people of color. There's also an important aspect of this, which is, the, this could be generalized, but in this report, it becomes clear there is a formalized process for government officials to directly flag content on Facebook or Instagram and request that it be throttled artificially or suppressed entirely through a special Facebook portal that requires a government or law enforcement email to use. So the thing that is so fucked up about this system is it's not just an abs it's not just in the abstract. It's actively happening right now today, and they're telling you exactly what they're doing. And if you can control the dialogue that people have, if you can control the information that they, that they see, especially when the average person expects or doesn't understand that it is carefully manicured to create a specific belief system in their own head, it is so much more insidious and it is so much more dangerous than getting your tax information, which is also crazy fucked up. So I agree with you there. But this, is, this goes a step further in my mind. That's exactly what I said. 
You literally took my take, reset it, and then said my take was wrong. I like P's take better. Sorry. <laughs> In that All case, right. Q, you were wrong the whole time, and I was always right. No, that's uh, Chris, let's talk some shit coins. Oh, God. I hate when you say it like that. But we're going to do it anyway. Uniswap has some interesting data. So according to research, 97.9% .9 of tokens launched on Uniswap are rug pulls. Color me shocked. Yeah. Crazy. Wait, what about the other 3%? Oh, oh, great. I'm glad you brought that up, Pete. They had great intentions. Also rug pulls. Oh, <laughs> sick burn, bro. Sick burn. Yeah, that is... So, like, how much money did you lose on Uniswap, Chris? Zero, because I don't shitcoin. What do you think, Hugh? You believe him? I think it was, like, a couple grand at least. Nah. Maybe three. <laughs> I think Chris... Chris blew his wad and three grand on Uniswap. Let it be known. I haven't lost three sets, let alone three grand. Those babies are in cold storage. I took, you know, advice from P. One's in a cheetah, one's on a whale, one's on a bald eagle. It's American as fuck. Well done, my friend. Well done. Q's looking at me confused. It's it's collaborative multi-sig. You know, it's, it's a crazy contraption. We're going to get him to run a node and he'll have this set up as well. I guess, but didn't we catch Pease Bear last week? We may have. We may have. That was part yeah. of a, a previous multi-sig setup. There used to be a bear involved, a grizzly bear, but yeah, that one died. Luckily for me, it's a three of five, or it was a four of five. It doesn't make any sense. Don't sweat it. Let's keep going. The people want to hear the news. All right. Well, let's talk Papa Biden, and let's talk how everything he says makes no fucking sense. Joe Biden comes out and says, I'm a capitalist. And then just shits on ExxonMobil for making a profit in the least capitalistic, most socialistic way and approach I've ever seen. Chris, can we pull up the chart that was tweeted out by Zero Hedge that compared the, the I believe it was what, the net income of Apple to ExxonMobil. And in this chart, you will see that Apple's net income is trending lower while ExxonMobil's is trending higher. Regardless of what you think, how you feel about gas prices, A, unless you live in California, I don't want to hear you complaining about gas prices because none of you guys have it worse than what we have in California. So there's that to discuss and break down. But this is just pure virtue signaling. This isn't like the sad truth is Biden didn't even like go after Exxon. He just like said something. And he's like, oh, Exxon, like you guys, raw, raw, raw. Okay, so you're just making it look to a small population of people that you're hoping will vote for you and your party that, hey, you you called out big oil, like, oh, raw, raw, raw. Holy fucking shit, I'm so sick of this. Like, I didn't realize next week is the election even. I guess we should probably acknowledge that. Um, throw it in the chat if you're actually going to vote. I'm curious to see how many of our viewers or comment, leave us a comment. Tell us if you're going to vote. I myself. Does, does buying more Bitcoin count as voting? No. Fair enough. Okay. I just, I just want to support what you said, Q and echo it. This is all a farce. It is insane for the president of the United States to try to rail against the oil and gas industry here. It makes absolutely no fucking sense. We've talked about this in the past, but 
trying to implement price controls like this actually leads to chaos well, and causes deaths, and it completely it, breaks the incentive structures in place that should possibly You are 100% occurs. correct, but I want to just really clarify something for people who are listening. There is no price control that was rolled out. There's no policy around oil. This was literally, he just got up on a stage to say yeah. a fucking tagline to yeah, make himself look good or make his party look good as we are seven days out from an election. So I fully agree with everything you said. Price controls historically have never worked. They have literally been the kiss of death for fiat currencies all throughout history. However, there was no policy rolled out. You're totally right. It's all, that, that is the more significant thing. It's literally it's just, just him being like, yeah. You know what I also hate? The fucking weather. Who, who, who doesn't like it when it rains on your parade? And people are like, ah. Yeah. Dude, totally, totally. Right. like fuck the fact that it's cloudy outside. I, I also I, want to say coming from the energy sector, energy is like one of the most competitive industries in the world. What I mean by this is everyone's fighting to have their energy bought and you produce it in excess and all that, I think on gasoline, it's three cents per gallon of gasoline is like the margin that they're operating in. So it's like very narrow margins. It's highly competitive. It's a global market. Like might be honestly, aside from like, it's even probably more competitive bank than banking because even banking is country by country based where Bitcoin is a global network. Oil and gas is the only other, I'd probably say aside from like internet business is the only other global thing as well. So it's pretty crazy. Down with the petrodollar. I'll leave it at that. But P, let's take it back to Bitcoin. Indeed. This is a brief story. I just wanted to talk about, you know, we talk a lot about building with Bitcoin. And I think it's really important to highlight developers, companies that are using Bitcoin for its superior qualities rather than, you know, trying to kind of contort themselves into creating things that involve Bitcoin. There is a cool website. It's fun. It's super like, you know, low lift called Sat Battle that I've been playing around with. You can just go on there and, you know, play games and earn sats. It is a I like it because it's just so simple. There are other systems out there like, you know, Thunder Games or, you know, Zebedee, which are much more built out and have, you know, APIs and SDKs that allow developers to integrate those, you know, Bitcoin, the Lightning Network into existing games. But uh, it's just a fun, a fun uh, thing you can play around with if you want to just go right now, engage with the Lightning Network and uh, potentially earn some sats. Much more likely you're going to lose those sats. That's satbattle.com. Let's keep going. Chris, what we got next? Yeah, so the next story, very quick one. Twitter locks out employees. What do I mean by this? So obviously, Elon finished the purchase of Twitter on Friday. So they started disabling employee access to several internal content moderation and enforcement tools. Many people that are pro-censorship were freaking out, saying this is a bad thing. Elon was quick to respond to the Bloomberg report saying, hey, like the head of content moderation is, you know, all claims are going through him. There used to be a team of 75. There's now a team of 15, but they locked down internal employees accounts for being able to change or update things, but they have not changed any of the source code, meaning that any of the the controls or restrictions from the prior administration are still functioning and it's still in operation. And this is just normal. This is actually normal business practice. When a business goes from one ownership group to another ownership group, this is to prevent employees from, you know, fraudulently or getting pissed and changing the code. So I don't see any issue with this. Some people were quick to freak out and jump onto the news. Anything you guys want to add? I will, I will just say on this 
Poor R.I.P. Ligma Johnson once again, like pour one out for the homie. And then of course, like I, I'm very open. Like I love listening to the All In podcast and the most recent episode. If you guys aren't aware, the All In podcast has two of Elon's new Twitter board members are just on the All In podcast every week. David Sachs and Jason Calacanes make up two of the four people. And the most recent episode, they spent a lot of time talking about plans for Twitter and how they want to approach, I think, this new iteration, how to handle content moderation, how to handle this verification process. So it's going to be a very, I think, interesting time on Twitter. That said, I just feel like there's a degree of this where you have to recognize Elon Musk is the largest troll on Twitter, full stop. And he is doing and saying certain things to garner an emotional reaction or end response. So I, I think you're just seeing a lot of people play into his hand. He's doing exactly what he's saying things and people are reacting the exact way he expects and frankly wants them to. So I would just say like, sit back, relax, enjoy the show, let it play out. There is literally nothing you can do I'm sorry, unless unless the person listening to this is Jason Calacanis, David Sachs, Elon Musk, who I know all listen to our podcast and await its daily release at on bated breath, like with the exception of the, that very small group of people in the boardroom, just chill the fuck out. Are we gonna skip this next story, P? All right. No, hit the hit the the next story, the Laker Dow. Chris, you didn't read the chat. P, go to the next story. No, 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 no. Talk, this is a huge one. Talk about the Maker oh, story. Oh, we are talking. Oh, okay. Yes, I, mean, I am misunderstanding. Okay. All right, guys. So A, I'm going to tell you this story. B, if I get killed, die, or just n you never hear from me again, I did not run away. I did not hide, and I did not get suicided. So it turns out the 29-year-old co-founder of Mako Dow, Nikolai Mushigin, Mush Mushian, I really hope I pronounced your last name properly. He has been found dead in San Juan, Puerto Rico, just days after tweeting the following tweet. CIA and Mossad and the pedo elite are running some kind of sex trafficking entrapment blackmail ring out of Puerto Rico and Caribbean islands. They are going to frame me with a laptop planted by my ex-girlfriend who was a spy. They will torture me to death. That was sent five days before he was found dead. Some other tweets that he was sending out in the months leading up to this incident. Before, I thought it was Illuminati, CIA people doing sophisticated moves to set me up somehow because I was a threat to central banking cartel. Now I realize these are probably the cheapest please money. Cheapest, I think it was a typo from him to say, people money can buy, sent by local banking duopoly. Even round one shills and chat were smarter. Another tweet, let it be known that I am somehow set up and framed or shot. It wasn't through sophisticated actions, but from sheer perseverance by people with infinite time and money to waste. And the final one I want to reference here is three possible futures for me. One, suicide by CIA. Two, CIA brain damage slave asset. Three, worst nightmare of people who fucked with me up until now. I am sure these are the only options. Hate to put my tinfoil hat on, but this guy says this all leading up to it and then found dead in... Uh... Found dead. Right. I'm gonna just I wanna I wanna throw one more just conspiracy theory because this is a trend and like I'm a house music aficionado. I cried when Avicii died. I also love 
that I mean like love with a burning passion, Anthony Bourdain, both what he did and the message he would send. Both of those gentlemen were working on a documentary about child sex trafficking. And you have the co-founder, Maker Dow, openly discussing on his social media about a potential sex trafficking ring going on. Now, I'm not saying this is all connected, but I am so saying implying it. I don't fucking believe in dinks. I just don't. Like, Q, you know who also was working on those? Paul Walker from the Fast and Furious yes. series, as yes. well as Chester Bennington, the lead singer of Linkin Park. And all four of them were either committed suicide or killed in a weird act, freak accident. I'm saying, I'm just saying. I, I mean, like, I just, I mean, this, this sounds incredibly suspicious. Not, you know, not going to lie. Without However, the tinfoil hat, without, without even trying to. No, no, to no. I agree. I agree. Look, I don't think that Epstein killed himself. There's too many incredibly well-connected people that were, it looked like we're going to be implicated in, in that kind of situation. So the, the truth is, I think that there is almost certainly something very weird and fucked up going on here. However, someone who is like, you know, having a mental episode who might be about to commit suicide could potentially tweet something like this out Maybe they were having a psychotic episode. It's just, there's just no way to know. So I, I just want to make sure that we're not like immediately jumping to this person was absolutely suicided by the CIA and that we, because it, it sort of reinforces our own belief systems, which by the way, CIA totally suicides people. Uh, they do that all the time. They're fucked, up, they're fucked up. Fuck those people. But I think we need to hold ourselves accountable for really critically evaluating all situations, not just the ones that fit very neatly into the pre-existing belief systems that we have. That'd be my only feedback. All right, that's fine. I will just counter your... It seems too easy is kind of what I'm getting at. Like, but that's the point. Like, the simplest solution or the simplest explanation is often the right explanation. And the fact of the matter is, this simulation is so royally fucked up. And I'm just sitting here in my mom's basement wondering how they're going to say that I suicided myself. Sounds good. I love light. <laughs> I love that I'm you very think happy. that you are... That you're that you're significant enough to like for the CIA to come in and you know make I'm gonna it look start like you, you accidentally slit your femoral artery while manscaping, and that seems like something you totally do, by the way. Do you see how much hair I have on my face and neck? You really think I'm I sure you have like a bearded anus? It's got to be just disgusting down there. <laughs> okay, okay. But before we gross out our audience here, <laughs> it's too late, man. Look, I just call the facts as I understand them, Chris. Take us through our last story before we bring on the revered John Carvalho. Yeah, so LND broke again. What do I mean by that? So lots of coin and lightning infrastructure not sinking because of a bug in BTCD triggered by this transaction. There was a transaction with over 500,000 witness data. Normally the limit for BCD, BTCD was only 500,000. There was also an op return in it basically saying you'll run CLN, meaning core lightning, and you'll be happy. Shout out to Barack. He is a young kid and developer that was able, that's working on lightning. There's a lot of blowback on Twitter that people were saying, oh, this kid is purposely looking for bugs and breaking lightning. Elizabeth Stark, the CEO of Lightning Labs, called out this developer, Barack, for saying that he works for Blockstream and that he's a shill for them. And by breaking it, he's helping Core Lightning's case, which is obviously owned by Blockstream. I have a different take. And Adam Back was quick to respond and said, yes, we have supported him with supporting him as a developer, but he's not on our payroll in the sense of like, hey, we're having him go out and break Ellen. I have a take that 
Bitcoin or the Lightning Network has not been tested in an adversarial environment. What do I mean by that? We have not seen nation state level attacks, or at least I don't think we've seen nation state level attacks on the Lightning Network. I would much rather one of our own or Bitcoiners find ways to break and hinder this network ourselves and fix them internally. There was a lot of people claiming the ethics of this is not right. Normally when you find a bug, you're, it's common courtesy in the developer community to reach out to them, say, hey, I found this bug. Can you please update it? It's common practice to say in a couple months, they, they will patch the bug. It's not okay if it's a couple of years. These are all kind of like nuanced ways of, I guess, of looking at P and Q. Anything else you guys want to comment on this situation in general? I'll jump in, which is to say, I, I agree completely. I think that there's a, there is conflict between Blockstream and Lightning Labs. They have slightly different approaches to the development of the Lightning Network in terms of the spec process and how you know one should be developing and whether things should be built into an agreed upon spec that all protocols are following, or whether it should be something that each individual you know company invest in with their own implementation. And to be clear, when we're talking about the Lightning Network, the reason we're, when we talk about like LND or CLN or Eclair, these are implementations of the Lightning Protocol that are designed to be interoperable for the most part. So Lightning Labs produces LND, which is the most widely used implementation of the Lightning Network Protocol. And Blockstream produces CLN, which is a different but interoperable version of or implementation of the Lightning Protocol. There's other ones. There's, you know, Async makes Eclair. Anyway, the point is they're all kind of playing in the same playground and there are these debates that happen between them about how the Lightning Network development should be happening. So claim is that Adam Back is saying, or rather, CEO of Lightning Labs, the group that was affected by this bug is saying that basically this person, Barack, was kind of a, a blockstream shill. Now, I think this is I think this is great. I think as you said, we we are we need to be operating in adversarial environments. We need people putting this kind of work and effort into breaking things so that it makes the system stronger as a whole. I can see the the argument that this is something that should be disclosed privately to the organization so that they can improve it. I think that's, I'm less convinced by that, but I can I can see that being a reasonable argument, but I agree. Overall, when people are coming down on Barack and they're like, oh, you shouldn't be doing this. You're, you're hurting the Lightning Network. I disagree profoundly. We have got to get this shit figured out right now because we are going to be in an actual battle in the very, very near future. We have to test these things. We have to force them to get fixed as rapidly as possible. Because if he did this in the kind of, you know, responsible disclosure way, then maybe governments could use this during that period between when it was, you know, shipped or rather when they were notified and when it was actually fixed to potentially attack the Lightning Network and do much more damage. So I think it's all good. People should expect it. And Bitcoin is for enemies. Yep. Cool beans. On that note, I want to remind everyone that tickets for Bitcoin 2023 are available. We are going back to Miami, May 18th through the 20th. Use promo code BM Live to get 10% off of your tickets before ticket prices go up. And of course, with the election coming up in just a week, we are releasing a new issue of the print magazine. And this issue is going to be called the Orange Party Edition. You are not going to want to miss it. Get your subscription at the Bitcoin Magazine store and use promo code BM Live to get 10% off during your checkout. Hey guys, this is Q from Bitcoin Magazine Live. If you're like me and want to gain a deeper understanding of what's going on within the Bitcoin market and broader macro environment, 
you need to subscribe to Bitcoin Magazine Pro today. There's both a free and paid version of this daily newsletter where our market analysts break down what's going on in the markets so you don't have to. Subscribe today at BitcoinMagazinePro.com. The censorship-resistant issue of the Bitcoin Magazine print edition is available now. Grab your copy at your local Barnes & Noble store or head on over to the Bitcoin Magazine store and use promo code BMLIVE to get 10% off of your order today.